You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Welcome to the Limhanger Turkey Hunt Podcast, brought to you by Grounded Brand and their new Impact 2.0 Turkey Vest. Get grounded at groundedbrand.com. The Limhanger Turkey Hunt Podcast strives to bring opinions and discussions from all aspects of the turkey hunting community. From legendary turkey hunters who hunted in military fatigues, to the modern day hunters embracing technology while maintaining traditions passed along for generations. All are welcome at this roundtable conversation about one of the wariest creatures in North America, the wild turkey. Now stick around. It's going to be a great show. All right, everybody. Welcome to one more edition of Limhanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. Uh, this may be our last weekly podcast, I guess, until, you know, we before we dive off into this long nine-month off-season that us turkey hunters have every year. Uh, we kind of wanted to finish up things this year with a turkey hunting state of the union of sorts in that we wanted to get the perspective of a traveling turkey hunter that has been dang near everywhere almost every year and get some feedback from him what he's seeing across the landscape as a whole or maybe even a regional perspective bird populations um what these changing regulations that we're seeing all over the country now how that's affecting a traveling turkey hunter uh, and good, bad, ugly trends that he's seen this year in years past, and maybe what he's seeing kind of reading the tea leaves going into the future for the next handful of years. And we wanted to get the perspective of a traveling turkey hunter, like I said, who has seen every corner of the country, and who better than Mr. Dave Owens. So, Dave, it is smack in the middle of June right now. It is a tough time to be a turkey hunter. How are you holding up? Oh man, we're doing what we can. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can relate. Uh, I think everybody here can probably relate to what it's like. Uh, that first or second full week of uh, not getting up every day, you're still waking up and seeing sunlight come through the blinds and panicking, you know, jumping up thinking you've overslept. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. You know, we just got to take it in stride. It's a, uh, you know, we got it. I can see on video right now and I can tell, the bags under your eyes are not as large as they were a couple of weeks ago when we were uh, seeing y'all on Instagram <laughs> there. You're looking, you got a little bit more color in your face. Uh, you're looking a little bit healthier. Uh, so it, maybe do you bounce, they kind of bounce back pretty quick after season or as far as, you know, physically, cause I know, you know, you spend more days in the woods than anybody that we know of and it has to physically take a toll on you. So do you kind of bounce back, you know, eating, 
halfway decent food, you know, when you get back home, three meals a day kind of thing. Do you get do you get in better shape after season? Yeah, most definitely. Um, just coming off the road and not eating just trash, which is what happens on the road, you know. Um, all the fast food and, and stuff that you ingest on the road, I'm, I'm glad to get away from that. Uh, get home to some some of Courtney's cooking is always is a welcomed um always welcome that because yeah like i said man you just get tired of peanut butter sandwiches and mcdonald's and you know uh folks like me that that spend so much time in the mcdonald's or places like that with wi-fi so that we can work uh it's it's you know i've had about my last big mac for the year i think so (laughs) and you become a connoisseur of rolling food at the gas station and truck stop (laughs) listen because i'm i'm on the road a lot for work so i i could probably do a good power ranking of truck stop food yeah it's never a bad option though to choose gas station pizza listen i have been no. to a lot of different gas stations and very rarely do you find one that just doesn't taste good for me like dave you're talking about being happy that you don't have to eat that food anymore there's part of my my soul that is lost whenever i'm not eating gas station pizza all the time <laughs> uh i freaking yeah, you love can't that go, stuff you ain't gonna can't go wrong with a with a hunk of pizza or a hunk of uh, Hunt Brothers pizza. I think is what is a popular one around some of the some mm-hmm. of the southern eateries. Casey's pizza, and, uh, though. It's, yeah. it's tough to beat Casey's. Oh, no, Casey's, yeah, it's 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 hard to beat Casey's, and those are some of the the uh, the diamonds in the rough. You'll find some of these convenience stores that have a lot of the delis and the home cooking back in the back. You know what I mean? And those are uh, you kind of remember those. You drop yeah. pins there too. So. <laughs> Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, dude, like Joey said, like it's it's hard when you're coming off of just going so much, like just nonstop. I want to know, like, when you do. First off, do you keep count of how many days you actually spend in the woods? And if you do, what what is that number like? As far as like hundred days, two hundred days, like how many? How obviously it wouldn't be two hundred days, but um. Yeah. As, um, as far as spring specifically, and this is, you know, uh, uh, mornings with either a gun in my hand or a camera in my hand, it's usually uh, around 90 or 93 days is what it has been over the last couple of springs. Um, this, this spring, I don't think there, there was, there's, I don't, I don't think this spring was an exception. I think it's, if I was sat down and counted it up, it would be about the same because we started really early. We ended a little bit sooner um, because like typically like last year, I think I went to the sixth and typically it's around the fifth to the seventh or so when, when Michigan or, or Maine will expire. And um, this year we were in Maine and we finished on the second. So there was a handful of days there. Um, and then there was a, like, I think there was two days during the spring um, just caught myself in a position where it was bad at weather outside and I didn't have a tag and couldn't find nobody or something like that. But frankly, from when we kicked it off, uh, let's see, February 26th, I think it was the youth season in South Florida this year. Um, from that date, you know, you get to hunt a couple days there, then you've got about five days to scout and the big boys get to swing the bat. And then it's, you know, it's a roller coaster from there till June. So, um, very fortunate to be able to see that many sunrises and um yeah it's it's exhausting there's bag under the eyes but it's like you're a machine when it gets you get about what is i think it says after two weeks things become a habit so it doesn't take long for you to get into the rhythm and um and it's just a 
it's a it's a welcomed exhaustion because I I'd, I'd do it again tomorrow if I could if I could start over and tomorrow was was you know March third I'd be signing up no doubt wishing my life away I guess you could say mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of that kind of takes us right into one of the things I wanted to discuss with you as far as uh, changing regulations and season dates um, between you know Florida opener and you know you guys spend a handful of days or several days out there you chubs and squirrel seems like every year now it's almost become a tradition now for you guys mm-hmm. is there a gap in between Florida and Mississippi now that Mississippi is kind of changing things around for non-residents or are you still able to pick up in Florida and go right into Mississippi? Um, yeah, you can pick up in Florida and go straight into Mississippi typically. Um, or you can move on up to central Florida, um, because you know, their, their season usually comes in about that same time. Um, it's all dependent obviously on tag availability, whether you still have tags in your pocket or not, or whether you can find somebody with a valid tag to, to follow. Um, that's one of the things that I think, um, people, uh, they kind of, I know everybody was 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 kind of up in arms about the, the situation with Mississippi. And one of the things that I do take kind of offense to when it comes to Mississippi is they have like this little asterisk to where you can't, you know, if you draw one of their uh, public land permits or tags or vouchers, I can't remember what they uh, what term they use, but you can't have someone to, you know, come with you. Um, so if you, you know, if you draw a WMA permit in Mississippi, you can't have a buddy come with you to call or, you know, just enjoy the hunt, um, wow. which I find is a, a directly a conflict, you know, because it, it reduces opportunity for folks. It gives, um, you know, you look in the National Forest booklet and it's like, you know, if you go hiking in the National Forest, always go with a friend, you know, don't ever go alone. But if you go hunting on the National Forest, you're supposed to go by yourself. So it's kind of a conflict there that I think needs to be addressed. Um, I'm not sure even why that's in place. But, you know, other than that little... Uh, uh, rule or regulation, you know, even if you don't have a tag, you can assist somebody, you can go with somebody, you can enjoy the hunt. And um, if you're a true turkey hunter, you know, I understand you've got to spend a certain amount of time behind the gun itself. I won't pretend like you don't, but you're there for the, you're there for the game. You're there for the process. Um, I don't have to be responsible for, you know, the final step of that process. I mean, if I could just be there for the rest of it, then I'm happy. So you can usually find somewhere. Yes, yeah, it become more challenging. Yes, the Mississippi situation and the non-resident vouchers that you have to get, which I do feel like is unfortunate. I understand the reasoning, but I do feel like it's unfortunate, and I'm afraid that it's going to be kind of a knee-jerk reaction for other states. Um, I do, you know, I, I applaud Mississippi for looking for another avenue about you know still allowing a turkey season to open on March 15th rather than doing what some of the surrounding states have done in delaying their seasons. Um, you know, they got creative and I do, you know, applaud them for that. Um, but I'm just afraid that, you know, stuff like that's going to send a, send an attack on non-residents. And I don't think that's the answer. Um, a lot of people may, but I'm just not one of those people. Based on uh, your personal perspective and experiences in Mississippi, did the quality of the hunt go up any this year as far as pressure, things like that, uh, since they introduced the, the tag system or the, to draw the system? draw the quota tag uh yeah i mean it's been tit for tat man i mean from you know from the years and i won't pretend like i've got this exhaustive uh uh uh, like mississippi experience because i don't um 
because I didn't start visiting Mississippi regularly until Alabama started delaying their season um, because I was always coming home to hunt, you know, and Alabama opened right there with Mississippi. So I was always coming to Alabama to hunt and they delayed their season. And then that was about the time that I started getting the flexibility that I now have. So, you know, I had a couple different components there that caused me to be a Mississippi uh, regular um, at the beginning of their season. But as far as what I've seen from the years that I've been there consecutively now, which I think is 2020, 21, 22, 23, so four years in a row. I mean, the hunting's been, you know, it's been, comparable every year i mean yeah there's some good years that are better but that's you know that doesn't have anything to do with pressure as far as pressure specifically um i mean i would say there's less pressure now than there was i mean i I have heard some people say that and i've heard some people say the opposite because they think the uh the public land voucher stuff adds a little bit of uh urgency so that like when somebody gets chosen they have to go now to where once upon a time they didn't have that urgency and people didn't come. So, um, frankly, I just think it's been a little bit of an inconvenience. I don't think it's affected the, you know, affected the, the hunt pressure at all from what I see. For, uh, for those of us, you know, that live in the Southeast and that hunt primarily in the Southeast, I think the, the regulation changes for a handful of states are a little bit easier to juggle and navigate than somebody like you that, you know, you just said you spend 90 to 93 days, you know, turkey hunting in a season across, you know, X amount of states, which I would assume is probably in the double digits uh, by the time it's all said and done. So how do you navigate changing seasons, bag, you know, bag limits, any, cause you know, any one change, in a regulation in one state, I mean, it's almost even easily overlooked if you're not doing mm-hmm. your homework and you're not paying attention. How do you kind of navigate that? Do you either have a spreadsheet or is there anything that you have organized to keep up and like, hey, I need to I need to make sure I can go, you know, to this area on this date, I can access whatever area. Like how do you uh how do you sort all that out when you travel all these places? Um, no, I don't do nearly as much of the uh, the planning and the strategic planning like I used to. Back in the U.S. slam days, everything was based on what I where I hadn't been yet and doing the exhaustive amount of research to make sure that I could do it efficiently. And I looked at that. Now, obviously, visiting these states, um, and yeah, with the rule changes, uh, and I've gotten in trouble with that before, like not paying attention to, to new stuff. Um, so it's, you know, always at the top of the list now. Luckily, I have you know, friends that kind of helped me stay on top of that. Like, Hey, did you see the new rule change here? Or, you know, Oh, I heard that so-and-so was going to do this better look into it, that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm pretty well aware. Um, and I kind of get a, uh, as the season approaches, I get kind of an update on what States have done new or made new changes. Um, but that is one of the advantages really. It's just not really a a hindrance. It's an advantage to having the flexibility I have, um, is just to, uh, if somebody makes a change that doesn't work into my schedule, I usually have the ability to, to flip and flop around to, to find somewhere else to go and, and do. Um, so yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really take any, any, you know, more just, just paying, paying attention, I guess you could say. We, uh, we're always quick and, and a lot of people on social media are always quick to jump on the negative side of these regulation mm-hmm. changes. All, all, every, all across everywhere. 
you don't have to name a particular state that has made a certain change, but are there any changes that have really benefited you as a traveling turkey hunter? Uh, benefited me, man. I don't, I don't think so. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Nothing that's really, um, I can say for sure if I was a Southern Turkey hunter or Southeastern Turkey hunter, the change that Tennessee made in allowing the season to go all the way to the end of May. I mean, I know some people is going to cry and, and whine about having to hunt summer turkeys, but let me tell you something. If I was still stuck at a nine to five and, and, and I was somewhere in the Southeast, buddy, I'd be jumping for joy that somebody was going to let me legally <laughs> turkey hunt to the end of May. Um, yeah. I understand it's going to be hot, but you know what? That could be in Maine as well at, in, at the end of May. Um, mm-hmm. It's just all, you know, how, what uh, what we were kind of given at that time, of frame, you know, at that time frame. So um, as far as anything that was beneficial, I'll just be just be honest and say that I'm the luckiest man alive because I get to just go. I mean, it's, it's so nothing I can think of off the top of my head has been a, a change that has been been beneficial now i mean it's just you know it is what it is when you when you have that kind of flexibility um just trying to think of uh, from a local perspective i could definitely see where the uh the negativity is there when when some folks can't hunt like they used to hunt i mean i heard that as loud in alabama as anywhere you know we've had a reduced limit and we've had um the season pushed back and things of that nature and then a lot of folks were you know uh up in arms and i i it's kind of hard to understand like the explanations for the public land delay when the private land's not that explanation to me isn't doesn't ring quite as clearly as just an overall delay in the season um i can kind of understand it i don't like it but you know i can understand it um but still it doesn't ring as um legitimate as just an overall delayed season it seems like you know but other than you know it's just uh i guess i just have the normal uh gripes as the next guy <laughs> yeah and and it's so hard dave and so i know that you as a person who has a platform you have to uh be real careful about how you navigate those waters too uh because you have a lot of people mm-hmm. listening you have a lot of people hearing what you have to say and holding you to what you say on a podcast when, you know, in two years information might be different. And so, uh, people need to understand that part about what we talk about in these type of podcasts. You're just a guy who has got a large, um, data sheet for, uh, turkey hunting, right? Like that's, that's, that's who we're talking to right here. A guy who has been to a whole lot of different States, as Joey said earlier, and, but I, I, that being said, I, I hope I don't set you up for, uh, potential persecution. Are there any things that you have seen, um, uh, with all these regulation changes that you feel like is absolutely been beneficial, maybe not for you, but for the turkeys? Um, yeah, I mean, I just kind of. Getting to the first part of your your comment there, your uh, where you started was yeah. I mean, we can all change our minds, right? I mean, I can yeah. understand. You know, we learn new things, and in, in, in the turkey world right now, there's more uh, data and research and statistics coming out that we get to digest and kind of formulate our own opinions. And that's one of the things that I really like with this day and age that everybody's kind of processing and digesting this information, and they're coming up with their own, you know issues or their own solutions um and 
I think the melting pot analogy is, is really good to where if everybody just kind of throws their ideas into one pot, we're sure to have the answer in there somewhere. Um, so um, as far as the regulations, kind of going to the second part of your question there, comment, um, the regulations that have been beneficial for the turkey. Um, I'll be honest, man, I'm, I'm one of those people that I think the the turkey, the resiliency of the turkey itself is going to win. Um, as long as we keep uh, legal measures in check and, and, and man, where I know what hole we're diving down into right here, um, because what's legal and what's ethical is two completely different things. Um, and, and I don't want to get dive down that rabbit hole, so to speak, because in my opinion, um, as turkey hunters, we need to keep our focus on making more turkeys i think sure the taking from the population the killing of the turkeys as long as we're focusing on male turkeys do we need to keep an eye on it do we need to like you know keep keep it under you know a microscope sure you know let's pay attention to it let's just don't ignore it but i think the bulk of our effort and our focus needs to remain on the production part of the turkey world i mean we need to focus on making more turkeys and why we aren't making as many as we used to um is dirty and is and is involved in that conversation about the techniques and the strategies and that kind of stuff that gets you down that rabbit hole and gets you shunned by a lot of people as many times as i've been involved in that discussion that conversation i don't mind that discussion um because i have my beliefs as, as everybody else does um, I just don't think that is the answer to our quote unquote turkey issue that people are are so vocal about nowadays. Yeah, and and I, I preface that the the second question with the first because I kind of expected you to have a similar answer to what you did, and um, you know I, what I was hoping to hear was steps in steps in a direction are a step in the right direction, right? Like there's going to be, we're going to figure out the solution when we, as we do these things. And so I appreciate your answer. Uh, and like always, Dave Owens never leaves us wanting more, um, <laughs> or needing to hear more. Well, I mean, that. it's just, you know, I mean, it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a restrictive thing. If you start reducing opportunity, which is a slippery slope, I'm not one to, to say that it's not, I don't, like reduced opportunity um way in the beginning of these whole turkey decline discussions and the first thing they started wanting to do is axe the beginning of the season and take away opportunity um i don't like it i will be the first one to tell you like that is what i should i feel like should be the last resort yeah um i feel like we should um kind of cut the corners of the pie before we take a slice right out of the center and i feel like cutting away season length and cutting out the beginning of the season is cutting right out of the center is if it's necessary, I am all on board with. I just felt like we hadn't cut enough of those corners yet and hadn't done enough looking. Now I'd also understand um, something's better than nothing. So I'm glad that we have agencies that are listening to us now, because I think for a decade we had researchers and scientists and people that were kind of screaming from a screaming into a hollow bucket that nobody was listening. You know, I mean, um, once this stuff began getting some momentum, some of these researchers were like, look at this paper, look at this, you know, this discussion that I had eight years ago, I couldn't get anybody to listen to. Um, so I'm glad we have at least people listening. And like you said, a step in any direction could potentially be a step in the right direction. At least somebody's listening. 
Um, but yeah, I would, I'd, I'm glad that we have a lot of research kind of hitting the ground and have some people with some bright minds trying to figure out how we could find a solution to this thing with hopefully uh, minimal impacts to us as hunters and our opportunities and, and stuff. So, yeah, this isn't uh, much of a question, more of a comment. You know, Dave, you and I talked earlier in the year. Uh, I had some uh, TWRA had some stakeholder meetings as far as what then they wanted feedback on maybe how to best to approach turkey management going forward. And, uh, you know, you and I had, had a discussion and I think, you know, the the topic was brought up in our discussion of how cyclical turkeys are, you know, uh, a really good hatch in a certain part of the country can probably raise the population of that of that local population almost twenty five percent, maybe even thirty percent, or even higher. You know, uh, yeah, or more, depending on you know what the what the turkey population is down there. And it got really got me to thinking, and it really opened my eyes as you know how I've kind of paid attention to hatches in the past, maybe the past decade or so, especially around Tennessee. Um, and I've said it before and I'll harp on it until I'm proven other, otherwise is that significant weather I think has had the biggest effect on Turkey hatches, at least in Tennessee, maybe even the Southeast than I think anything else. No doubt. And I, th I think the hatch in 2021, the hatches from last year in 2022 and we haven't really had that bad of weather up until now in spring. So I anticipate and I'm starting to see reports and sightings of multiple uh, couple week old poults, you know, per hen. So I think we're probably going to have a pretty good hatch this year. And I think once we have a few of these good hatches in a row and we see this kind of uptick in populations, at least here in the Southeast, you know, if, if my theory or if that theory is true, that weather is so significant on, uh, on hatch success and poult success, I'm anxious to see what comes out of these next few years, you know, with harvest data, you know, hunter participation, all the other studies that, you know, TFT has got going on, the NWTF is going on. And now we got, uh, the low country game bird, uh, I forget the exact name, but that's mm -hmm. three big players doing turkey research now. And uh, you've said it before, the 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 best thing to come out of all this is that people are talking, more people are talking about turkeys than there ever has been. And there's more research going on than there ever has been. And I really hope that these state commissioners take this data and take these hunter observations like this is why the the pult surveys are so important on you know during that summertime and there's so many states that have them now there's no excuse uh and i've got to wear i don't know if alabama has one but i'm down in alabama for work this week um if alabama has a pult survey i'm gonna look it up and i'm gonna fire that thing up and while i'm riding around down here for work if i see turkeys i'm gonna i'll log it you know for the state's sake so but yeah, long story short, with all this stuff, all this information that we have access to now and all this, all the research that's going on, I really hope in the next few years, we really see science-based hunting regulations aside from maybe outcry from social media and maybe ill-informed opinions uh, just coming from hunters in general. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, I just watched, I used to, or my dad used to be a really big rabbit hunter. He used to be a small game hunter from back in the day. And I watched a lot of these public meetings that I went to. And that was the example that I was given was look what's happened to the small game hunter because our, you know, deer ruled everything. Um, and no matter where you're at, and, and you know, when we go to these public meetings and to get the comments and the deer hunters, whatever they want kind of is what goes. Cause that's, I guess what, you know, butters the bread, so to speak. So I watched the rabbit hunters go to, I, I never went to a public input meeting where there wasn't a group of rabbit hunters there just begging for their season, just begging for their small game season. But every flipping year they got ignored. The deer season got longer. Every year they would extend the deer season. Um, and these rabbit hunters were just like, look, look, y'all are just eating away at my small game season because 99% of the ground is leased up by deer hunting clubs and they won't allow us to rabbit hunt until deer season is over. So, you know, we can't run our dogs. We can't, you know, and except for a couple of beagle clubs, they just flat out couldn't hunt. And I got to thinking, I was like, man, deer hunting is continuing to grow and continuing to grow and hunting in general. That's good. You know, I would never, um, you know, shun anyone for becoming a deer hunter. But that being said, I wanted to make sure that, that what I was passionate about being turkey hunting never was ignored. You know, it was a lot, it would honestly, you know, we can all say that that would be a long way from being ignored in the Southeast, but you know, I do travel and I see parts of the country to where turkeys are ignored and they are almost disliked. You know, um, I've told the story once and, and they're, you know, if I've, if I've told it once, I've told it a hundred times, but the story in Maine where I, you know, I asked permission to hunt on this big dairy farm and um, saw a couple turkeys on it, knocked on the get caught the guy out there on his tractor, stopped, talked to him. He says, no, it's just, uh, you know, it's just, you know, for the farm, we don't allow anybody to hunt it. You can't complain with, you know, you can't be mad at them. It's their property. They, they're, you know, this is their prerogative to do what they wish. So I just, you know, making small talk. Like, you know, you see any turkeys in the area? Oh, yeah, we have hundreds of turkeys. He said, as a matter of fact, when they come in in the fall, we shoot them by the hundreds off our silage stacks because they get in our silage stacks and scratch it out and bust open the the uh, the twine and they get scattered everywhere. So we shoot them. We just, we just drive up to them when it's all, when it's snowpack, you know, they can't go anywhere else. We just shoot them by the hundreds off our silage stacks. And I mean, that just turned my stomach to the point, I mean, I, I physically almost got sick. And I'm like, but you won't allow somebody to go out here right now and legally hunt to kill a couple of them. You know what I mean? Nope, it's just, it's our, you know, it's what we do for the farm. And I was like, man, if somebody was shooting hundreds of turkeys in Georgia or Alabama or Mississippi, there would be an outcry. He would be crucified. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm just glad that we in the Southeast don't have that kind of issue. But can you imagine if turkey hunting, like the opportunity was suppressed to the point to where people didn't care about turkeys anymore and that kind of thing was allowed to happen? Um, like I said, we're a long way from that in the Southeast because we have died in the wool turkey hunters. But it's just you can drive, you know, a handful of hours up the road and see it. And that just scared the crap out of me. So um opportunity is kind of a, a big thing for me I, I like i like i like the opportunity um and just continuing on the opportunity discussion you know um people want to compare i know when all of the opportunity was starting to kind of some of the opportunity was starting to shrink and they were making some of these changes you heard an outcry of people like well yeah you know um 
we need to reduce the opportunity because I used to be able to go out here and hear 10 turkeys or 12 turkeys. And now I do good to go out there and hear three or four turkeys. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, the, the next thing out of their mouth is, you know, when I went to Illinois or when I went to Iowa, you know, you can go up there and still hear 15 or 20 turkeys in the morning and they only have a one week season. And I'm like, look, if you want that experience, if you want the hearing 15 or 20 turkeys in the morning experience, go get you an Iowa tag, get you a Missouri tag, like go for that experience. I'm one that had rather have to hunt him for five days and just be able to hunt him. You know, I'd rather have the opportunity. I'd rather it be more difficult. I'd rather have to put more effort into it to actually kill a turkey, but have the opportunity to do so rather than being able to go out there and hear 15 and kill one in a day or two. Um, so it's like a different, it's a different desire for folks. You know, the people in Alabama don't need to expect, in my opinion, the people in Alabama, if they're going to hunt national forest public ground, shouldn't expect to hear 20 turkeys in the morning. That's an Iowa experience. Like, but the guys in Iowa only have seven days to hunt because if they get chosen for their tag, they get period B or period C or whatever it is, they get seven days to go have fun to where in Alabama. You know, I can wake up for 40 to five days in a row and go have fun, you know. So um, that's kind of one of those things that was overlooked during that discussion that I was trying to get people to realize. Like there's it's a completely different desire. You just got to want to go. Um, that was probably down to some rabbit hole that we didn't intend to go down. But we talk, you talk about rabbit. You talk about rabbit hunters. So it, it was all related. No, oh, there we go. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it was. No, you you. uh you're talking pretty strong about opportunity there. Uh, you get to see what the opportunity is like across the country and right. It's no secret since COVID there's been, uh, it, at least a perceived uptick in hunting pressure. Um, I will say for me personally, uh, there's only been one place that I've been to that I felt like it was an unreasonable amount of hunting pressure. Um, only one place. Everything else seemed like it was going to be pretty, it, it, it was huntable, you know, uh, the, I haven't seen just crazy amounts of pressure, but again, you, you have been to a lot of the country in the last three months. Um, have you seen a lot of that quote unquote COVID pressure, uh, start dying down or do you feel like it's still continuing to climb up? Um, the pressure that I see now, may have just a fraction to do with COVID. And I will say that only because I think COVID taught people, taught a lot of people their value, taught a lot of people they couldn't get fired. You know, they were too valuable to be fired. And I don't think they ever realized that before. So the whole working remotely kind of changed the whole scene of being employed, um, being able to, you know, work from, uh, you know, from a laptop or whatever. So I think that changed the whole world. And that obviously added to people having some more flexibility during the spring to do what they love. And I would not, people can get mad if they want to, but I, I just, I think that was a good thing. I think it was good for people to pursue their passions. I mean, I'm the luckiest man in the world because I did just that. I mean, I, you know, I walked right to the edge of the cliff and jumped. I was like, it's going to be this or nothing. So, um, I won't, you won't hear me complain about pressure because I've went from one corner of this country to the other and i just haven't seen it with the exception of COVID, the, the, the 2020 spring to where there was a couple places where i did 
see enough pressure for me to go, man, this could be an issue for the turkeys. Um, no, other, no other place in the country have I seen. Has there been more people than there was 10 years ago? Yeah, there's been more people than there was 10 years ago. I haven't had one issue finding turkeys and having turkeys to myself. Um, has there been isolated spots, like you said? Has there been isolated areas that I went to and had some people due to one reason or another? Who knows why the reason was, but has there been a couple more trucks on said specific road? Yeah, there's been those type situations, but guess what? Two roads over, I had it to myself. So <laughs> I think a lot of that has to do with effort, and a lot of that has to do with the popular excuse. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it, it it's just a popular excuse right now, and I'm sure somebody will be ready to throw stones at me for that and blame me for the pressure or whatever. That's fine. Um, because if it was so bad, why are, you know, these people able to go, including myself, go from one area of the country to the next and have success year in and year out? Um, it's just flat out not that bad. It just it it's the popular excuse right now. I kind of want to start gearing uh, towards bird populations and different areas of the country. And like I said, we can break this up in you know regions like southeast, northeast, northwest, southwest, or midwest, or whatever. And we'll try to stay away from specific states so we don't get. Uh, called out for hot spot in states except for kentucky <laughs> we all know how good kentucky turkey hunting is <laughs> um uh but yeah we can uh as far as you know like I, like i was saying before you know with the good hatches that we've had the last couple of years at least here in the southeast it i can tell you from the spots that i went to this year there were just more turkeys almost everywhere i went more turkeys more goblin birds in general um are you seeing that? Well, well, I guess we can start here in the Southeast, uh, whatever you want to deem the Southeast. Did you see more turkeys in the Southeast maybe this year than you have previous years? Or did you not see as many? Or what? what's your feedback on that? I'm just a lucky guy, I guess, um, because I just I don't I haven't had issues finding turkeys or hearing turkeys. Anywhere I've gone. At any point. Frankly, I mean, like I said, the 2020 season, maybe the pressure had them subdued a little bit in certain areas. But other than that, um, the turkey population, I'm a bad guy to ask um, because I, I don't stay in one place more than a couple of days. Um, and um, I do believe there's probably isolated pockets where turkeys are not doing as well as they once were. Um, like I said, when we started this discussion, I will always be one to error on the side of, Hey, let's talk about turkeys. Hey, yeah, there's something wrong because I don't want y'all to ignore them. You know, I want them to stay at the top of the discussion. I want them to be an issue uh, that we all have to address. So I will never say, um, Oh, turkeys are doing great. We can just ignore them now. Cause I think that was what happened, you know, for the last decade or maybe even two, you know, I think, you know, we got them to a point when I say we, the agencies, organizations like NWTF, and these people that 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 put turkeys where they are now, um, all of these state agencies, I think we got them. It was like, man, we got them, and, and they're and they're good. Um, I don't want that to happen again. So I'll never be the guy that's like, oh man, there ain't no turkey issues. Y'all need to quit looking at them. Just let us go like we were. But um, if it was just like if Dave Owens had to say, is there less turkeys now than there was five years ago? I, I couldn't tell you that there is um, because I've never had an issue finding them or um 
you know, I here again, there's some people that I really trust out there that are talking about the issues around, say, their specific area. And I trust them. Like, I don't doubt them. I, if they are saying that there's an issue in their area, then there's obviously an issue in their area. Um, but as far as what I've seen traveling from one corner to the next, no, I haven't seen anything that I would I would say is a is quote unquote Turkey decline. Yeah. We may, I mean, with uh with that kind of feedback, we may just, you know, kind of skip over the regional population discussion because it's so isolated, just like you said. Um I, uh, one thing I have uh, go ahead, Parker. You're you not, are you about to skip past that? Because I have another question that has to do with that kind of well go go right ahead. Okay. Go I because right I don't want to I don't want us to get past this. Um because and I know we're doing it's more informative, right? Um, kind of uh, from your perspective type things. But you you did mention some pretty tactical things in there. Uh, at least you, we could go down that that rabbit trail. I don't. We don't have to go all the way. But I do want to want to mention something you talked about effort. Um, kind of people like it's the popular excuse, right, to say that there's mm-hmm. there is something in fact wrong. Um, and man, I, I, just to back that up, we talk to a lot of people, right? Through podcasting, through network stuff, whatever. We talk to a lot of different people. This year I've had people tell me it was the worst season ever, ever. There's no turkeys. They're gone forever. They're, they're extinct. And I've had other people tell me, my goodness, we got more turkeys than we know what to do with. With no rhyme or reason, really, to why as to why there's more turkeys here than there are over there or whatever. Um, but one thing we 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 do talk about it a lot, especially when we talk about going to other states, is having the flexibility to kind of move around uh, and and get you know if if you're hunting one national forest over here, uh, you may get there very well and find out that it for whatever reason there's not a lot of turkeys or you're struggling to find them, but then go into another area and you may find you know a pocket um do you find that to be more or less the truth like uh what could potentially separate good pockets versus bad or empty pockets um could be as as simple as moving 20 miles north south east or west is that kind of what you when you when you say you don't have trouble finding turkeys is it because that's what you're constantly doing is moving that quickly if you're not finding them yeah and just being adaptive i mean i think anybody that wants to be successful as a turkey hunter has got to be able to look at what they can use to their advantage um whether that be you know wide open areas and using glassing and, and whatnot to find turkeys quickly whether it be um you know a lot you know finding the area of the state that that's going to hold more consistent turkey populations or the area of the state where the weather's going to be better while they're there. You know, I've changed, I've put a whole plan on its head before because I looked and this side of the state was going to be getting high winds. This side of the state wasn't like when I'm going to a place where I'm hunting with my ears, the, that is the most important thing for me because if you go to a place where you're going to have to rely on your ears, deep timber, you know, uh, wooded ridges or whatnot. And if you go there and show up and there's a 15, 25 mile an hour wind for three days, that's really going to impede you finding turkeys. So yeah, I will, I think when I say I don't have problems finding turkeys, 
a whole lot of that has got to do with experience as a turkey hunter because I take those type of things into consideration where somebody less experienced may not. Um, it's not to say that I'm any shape, form, or fashion better than anybody else. It's just that, you know, when you do something and you get it wrong, you tend to remember that pretty well. Um, so those, those, you know, those meetings, when you come back without a turkey or without hearing a turkey or seeing a turkey or finding sign, you, you quickly figure out how not to do that again. So, um, but just turkey numbers in general, when I, when I'm cruising across, I mean, I'm talking to biologists and I mean, frankly, the, the, the amount of biologists that I've talked to, there's only a couple regions in the country where I've talked to them where they, they say, you know, turkeys aren't doing so well here. Um, you know, turkeys are, uh, are on the downward, you know, I may talk to somebody that says, you know, they're not as quiet as many as there was a few years ago, but there's still plenty of turkeys. And like, I don't see that as a turkey population decline in the sense that it needs some type of, um, you know, we don't need to do anything. That's just turkey populations doing what turkey populations do. And like Joe yeah. was just mentioning, like we've seen crazy good hatches, in my opinion. I'm going from one side of the country to the other. The amount of jakes, and this is all the way from 2020. Like I've started seeing jakes in 2020, 2021, 22. Like these hatches that we've had have been phenomenal, in my opinion. Most, in most, I'm sure there's some areas. Arkansas, Louisiana, I think, had some bad hatches with the floods they had with the river there over those years. But for the most part, the majority of the country saw some good, you know, um, good weather. And I think Joey hit the nail on the head when he said, Mother Nature decides how good your hatch is going to be. I don't, you know, um, we can assist, but our assists are so minute, they can almost be overlooked. Um, because if Mother Nature don't want there to be a good hatch, then you might as well put your hands in your pockets because no matter how much work you do, it's not going to matter. Um, but yeah, like as far as finding turkeys, getting back to that original question, um, I think it has to do with twofold. I think there's, I think the turkey populations across the country are doing pretty flipping well. I think a lot of the the noise you're hearing is, is just like we said, you know, it's, social media is, is a couple clicks away from being able to express your opinion. And when you get mad, everybody, everybody writes more when they're mad, you know, mm -hmm. they're not, they don't, they don't write more when, when they're just having a normal old day. And, um, that combined with having the experience to be able to put yourself in the right place, uh, keep your feet moving, you know, Oh, I walked into four goblin turkeys today. Well, it was day three. You know, you don't ever talk about the first two days where you didn't walk into four turkeys. Um, so it, you know, it's kind of, uh, maybe a little bit amplified, considering social media and you share the good days. That's right. And, and, you know, just to, to further that point, I, like one common factor that I see in people who have similar answers to yourself with this, like, I, you know, I'm not seeing like a crazy decline. It's not like they're not there or about to go extinct. Uh, people like, like yourself, um, they always have the willingness to move, right. The willingness to go find because, Things like weather do have such a big impact. Um, as we just talked about, you could have had a great hatch 20 miles north of where you're at, but you would never know. And I find that to be one of the biggest hurdles that other hunters have to learn to, to hop over at some point, right? Like they cannot get past 
but I, what if I'm staying here? What if I'm sleeping in this location? I can't just move. Well, yeah, you can, you have to, right? Like most of the people who are, who are talking about what you're talking about, what we're talking about here have learned that it's just, you've got to be willing to do that and find those, find where those pockets are. Because when you can find, when you do that, when you finally figure that out, uh, I mean, you're so, there's so much freedom in that Joey, we can talk about it even in Montana. Like while we were there having that willingness to maybe go 20 miles south or, and not just depending on um, maybe previous intel or a bird, the bird that we saw on private land or whatever, like just having the, the willingness to go and do that. And then before every single Turkey, Dave and Adam, you guys can probably both relate to this. Uh, the 10 minutes leading up to like leading up to your next Turkey kill, it feels like you might never kill another one. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Like, absolutely. Like, yeah. you know, do you I, remember how to do this? Yeah. Have I ever done this before? Yeah. Well, I just did it. Even if you just killed <laughs> one the day before that, you know, you're just like, it's hard to, but when you, once you do, once you make it happen, you kill this turkey, whatever, um, you look back at those things and it almost always for me seems like a common denominator thing that I did in every single one of these hunts was I did something a little bit different. I maybe moved to a different place or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, I don't have a follow-up question necessarily, but more than anything, just uh, to, you know, I, I believe 100% what you're saying is true. I think if people will learn this one small little detail of how you hunt, especially when you're traveling to hunt, man, it can it can make, it can make you believe that there's not, in fact, an issue with the turkey population. Um, and then and doing what I do, and I hear it all the time, trust me, is is... Yeah, watching my, you know, watching the Penhody project, um, it's not like I'm faking anything. I'm not making any of this stuff up, but the interactions that I get to have, um, those experiences that I get to have so frequently um, may be somewhat of an embellished reality. And I try to tell people that, like, not what I'm doing is fake. It's just that what you have to consider is this. I'm a guy who's put myself in a position to where I get to go where the turkeys are gobbling the best. I get to go where the weather is the best. I get to be there when the turkeys are in the perfect stage of breeding. Like that, that's the flexibility that I've created. And um, so, yeah, sure. It seems like I'm always in gobbling turkeys and I'm always around gobbling turkeys, but it's like those couple good days of spring. Like if you hunt Alabama all spring and there may be seven or eight of them where the turkeys are just, you can't do anything wrong. My philosophy is being in each state on those seven or eight days. So like I'm not faking anything, but at the same time, like my reality is chasing those seven or eight of the best days across the country. Um, so when somebody's like, Oh man, he, you know, he's, he kills so-and-so turkeys a day or, He's he, he, he Pinhoti guy. He, he kills one a day. No, he don't kill one a day. He, he sure don't. But <laughs> whatever, he, Dave, success, you do. You know, <laughs> it's like you know, if the turkeys, if I hear rumor, like I have a buddy's, like, hey man, switch just flipped in Tennessee, or switch just flipped in Kentucky, or switch just flipped in Missouri. Guess what? Dave's in his truck within, you know, hopefully within a day he's there to enjoy that switch flip. You know, um, so. Um, 
that's 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 the reality that, that kind of goes a little bit unnoticed because it just seems like a guy that's going in the woods wherever he just happens to be and it's just not i'm not there by chance you know i'm there for a reason well you got to think too the amount of days that you just are able to spend in the woods period like even if you if you just had a 10 percent success rate i mean you kill nine turkeys you know all mm-hmm. season which is more than 95 percent of the turkey hunters out there probably um but the fact that you get to spend you know so many days out in the woods i'm not i'm not trying to discredit you or anything but we've uh Park and I have talked about it before. You know, if you just spend days in the woods, I mean, you're going to find success eventually. And if you get to a spot, you don't know nothing else to do. You know how to at least walk and you can find turkeys if you walk enough. So I think this, you know, this, the amount of opportunity that you provide yourself as an individual, you know, be it Dave or Parker or Adam or any of us, you know, the more days you spend in the woods, you know, the better odds you're going to have. Um I kind of time is that back. ingredient. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I kind of wanted to go back. We we kind of hinted on social media a little bit and uh, how much that we see on social media nowadays. Uh, I know you don't have your nose in your phone, you know, all spring, you know, you're, you're turkey hunting. But I do know that you probably keep a finger on the pulse of what's kind of going on overall. Is there anything you kind of noticed this past spring, either a good trend that you saw or maybe something that you hope to never, ever see again as far as social media goes? Um, Man, it just kind of the same, same old song and dance, you know, um, nothing overly um, that, w- that was more this year than last. You, you, and it's mostly coming from just a handful of individuals. You know, the um, we just have to understand that there is a certain there's a certain sector of quote unquote us or people who dress up in camouflage at least um that are doing things for the controversy that has become so apparent and we still continue to give these people our attention um if we could somehow muster up the uh, ability to ignore that certain sector of people who is obviously doing things that just kind of knee jerk, just because, because any impression is an impression for them. They just need the numbers. Um, if we could somehow figure out as a, as a hunting community, just ignore those people. Um, it'd be great. Um, granted, you can't let those people go unregulated because I think that is the good that social media provides to where, you know, I think I I get the, I get the comment, you know, probably more than most about how, you know, social media is killing hunting. Social media is ruining the sport of hunting. Social media is ruining our water, wildlife populations. And I'm the first one to tell you if I could flip a switch and end the whole thing, I'd probably be the first one to flip it. And they're like, Oh, that don't make sense. You, you know, you, you submit to social media so much, you do the videos, you do the Instagram, you do the Facebook, you know, you do all of that. Well, look, that's because this is the idea with social media is, is, is it's clicking. You need to get clicks. And if social media, if we, okay, this is calling myself good. So I don't mean to do that, but I feel like social media is going to be here. You ain't going to flip a switch and get it to go away. If there's not some good to counterbalance the bad, the bad's going to be there because they're there for the wrong reasons. They're there for the clicks. They're there for the impressions. They're there to get paid. Um, 
typically that's not going to do well for our, our population. It's going to give hunting overall a bad name most of the time. And I think if there's not good there within that community to, uh, to kind of say, no, that's, that's not how we do it. That's not how we want to be represented. Um, then I think the badge is going to run amok. Um, I don't think I, so, you know, if it could end all tomorrow, um, I think the hunting community would be better off because we would recruit within, we would be able to do enough without social media to keep the hunting community alive. And frankly, I think the bad that the bad part of this social media thing does to the non hunting community and kind of makes us seem barbaric and stuff, uh, would be a greater positive, but unfortunately we're not flipping any switches. I mean, I don't think Elon's going to figure this thing out quick enough to end social media. I don't think, you know, I mean, this it's like, so it's not going anywhere. So you got to have the good. Um, but trends that I saw this year, I mean, I will, it's just the same old song and dance, man. Same people just putting stuff out there that they know is going to trigger. They know it is. And that's why they put it out there. You know, um, I mean, you put on a turkey hat this time that, you know, you know what it's going to do. You know what you're putting that video out for. And you're going to sit there and sit on your high horse and talk about how it's, you know, whatever. But you know why you're putting that video out there. You know, it ain't to show a turkey hunting video. I can promise you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. we've talked about it for years now. You absolutely have to take into account what non-hunters perceive, you know, hunting to be via social media. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to brag on myself, but I am going to kind of brag on myself. <laughs> but I think I that, will. But I think I will. <laughs> I don't think I've posted anything in memory uh, on social media that could be used against hunting. I, I'm... I think I'm proud of myself for that. And the stuff that I post on social media, you know, I I kind of have in the back of my mind, I, I know we all do. We know so many people that have zero clue about hunting. And we may be the only hunter in their, you know, quote unquote, news feed or on their friends list or whatever. And if we're the only thing that they see in relation to hunting, and if we post something dumb, then that's going to change their whole perspective on what they view as hunting. And I have, uh, my wife has a, as a really good friend of hers. Uh, she lives up in Wisconsin. She's a vegetarian of all things, but she knows that, you know, she knows I'm a hunter, you know, and specifically a turkey hunter and she's on our team. You know, she is going to be, she is one of those that even though she's a vegetarian, she may not ever go out and shoot something and eat it she will go to the polls and vote for somebody or vote for a bill that is going to be in favor of hunting. And I'm proud of myself for that, you know, you know, because just uh, that's the kind of people I think we need to recruit into our camp. You know, those non hunting, that non hunting voting public that we've talked about for years. Now we have to keep recruiting those people to our side and showing them, Hey, this is what you see on these other accounts, you know, that, do all these dumb things that's not what hunting is you know here here's what we do we do things in different ways you know we have our quote-unquote little communities of how you know we turkey hunt how other people turkey hunt and then there's deer hunters and all the different things that they do but we do it in a respectful manner and we try not to cause trouble and so that's you know that's 
the least you could do is just not be dumb on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to follow that up, uh, kind of going in a different direction. You kind of hinted at it, you know, as far as tactics and travel, is there anything you did different this year that got you on more turkeys? Um, I mean, you ain't got, you ain't got to divulge all your secrets, but, um, man, I think, I, I think if people watch my videos, they, they, they know there's not any secrets left. I mean, <laughs> I got a camera running like 24 hours a day, it seems like, but no, man, I mean, I've, I'm just an old, you know, I'm just an old soul that's kind of set in my ways. And I mean, flexibility is the only thing that, that I have needed to improve on. And I think I've, I've just about gotten to myself to where I can, I can kind of come and go and, and um, still trying to improve on that because people think I just quote unquote hunt for a living. They don't know about all of the uh, obligations that I've signed up for and what I've got to produce and who I've got to answer to and, who needs what by what deadline. So there's a lot of that type stuff. Um, but I've even kind of uh, learning as I go with this Penhody project thing and the, and the web content thing and the Mossy Oak Go obligations and sponsor obligations and that kind of thing. I'm learning as I go and I think I'm getting better at it, which allows me to not hunt more, but just hunt a little bit with less stress because, you know, everybody would think that, oh man, he gets to turkey hunt every day. He must just like live on a cloud. And for the most part, I do, I guess. But at the same time, there's obligations and the stress of like not knowing what comes next. And now that I've done it for a couple years, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of learning how to uh, spread myself. Because those first couple of years, like trying to the editing and, the, and, and the, you know, the moving footage and it takes hours. And then, you know, people don't realize these episodes will take, 12 16 20 24 hours to edit and they want one a day and you're like man that ain't possible you know so um getting the getting the expectations to kind of reined in to be somewhat realistic figuring out how to space my content that i gather over the off season out to where it kind of quenches everybody's thirst um and then just kind of time management on my own you know in my own life to where i can do more with less time and uh kind of enjoy turkey season a little bit more. If you, if you kind of follow along with the social media channels, you'll, you kind of missed out on a lot of the quote unquote kill shots this year, as far as, um, you know, the, the, after the kill, usually I would take a good picture like I always do, but I would share like the day after or that, that, that evening you would get what happened that day. You saw a lot less of that because photography, when it comes to turkeys, man, and after you, document everything that i do um from beginning to end then the photography part it begins to look a lot like just it just makes work out of it you know what i mean and um not that it quote isn't work so to speak from what i do but it just got to be a drag like um so some days you know i i would take a good picture with the turkey but i just didn't stress about it like i once did um waiting to the lighting was just perfect to get the right shot and driving for an hour to get the right scenery. Like I just, that's, that's kind of a thing of the past for me. <laughs> I know there's some guys out there still doing it and they get remarkable stuff, but you know, if you get a good scenic pick with me, that's because we were close to it. Um, I try to always get something that encompasses the world that, that they lived in, but you know, I'm not driving six hours out of the way to do it anymore. 
Dave, I think there's an epidemic of, of some turkey hunters out there just get stressed out, man. They're anxious. They're, you know, if they get yeah. on a run and they're not killing turkeys, like it starts wearing at them. You got any advice for guys like that? I, I mean, I don't know personally any, but <laughs> be- yeah. <laughs> you don't know anybody like that? I do. Yeah. <laughs> you got any advice for guys like that, Dave? No, man, not really. It's going to happen to all of us. <laughs> um, I can pretend like if I went on a hunting trip and it was day five and I hadn't sat down on a turkey, that I'd still be in a good mood, but I hadn't. Like, you can watch my videos. Like, I, I do a terrible job of hiding that kind of thing. Um, you know, um, I wear my feelings on my sleeve a lot, even if I'm by myself staring into a camera. And I know when I'm hitting the record button, like, hey, the record button's on. Look like you're chipper and happy, like. I'm just terrible at that. Like, so, um, you know, I have gotten a lot better about like, just knowing that the world's not going to end and it's definitely going to come together eventually. If I just keep plugging away and seeing every glass is half full and, uh, appreciating the opportunities that I do have, you know, and realizing you got to have those to make the good days seem like good days. Um, but that's that's about as much as I can give you. I mean, you know, um, anxiety's still going to be there. We talked about that just a second ago. I'll pull out of this flipping house every February. Like, man, I hope I remember how to do this. Because <laughs> it yeah. seems like it's been so long ago that I got to sit down and yelp at one. I am not 100% sure. Like, I still know how to ride that bike. You know, so um, it's uh, it's the anxiety and the, and, the, and the unknowingness is always going to be there, I think. I think Makes it fun. A- there's a monkey on every turkey hunter's back at the beginning of the season. I've talked about it before. Like until you kill that first one and he's, you got him in your hands, you have no idea if you'll ever kill another turkey in your life. (laughs) There's always, I mean, the monkey never leaves. He's always there. He might get a little bit skinnier. He might get a little smaller, but like as soon as I can't hunt turkeys for another nearly a year for 10 months now or whatever. And, He's already kind of made his way back up there on my shoulder. So yeah. uh, I never kill another. No, man, it, it's, it's tough. These birds, like we, we, we can compare and contrast on the deer a lot because they're, they're both. So, you know, uh, and, and what we do, if at least for me personally, I think for all of us, uh, here, well, me and you, Adam, I think you and I actually, I may be the only legitimate deer hunter, on this uh on this call I'm the only person who actually cares about deer dave uh i know you're good at deer hunting but i don't know if it even comes close to turkeys for you uh but but you know like we we get so caught up in this like we've got to be successful this goes back to the the whole social media conversation as well we've got to be successful we've got to be successful we've got to be successful and it's really really hard to overcome that um when it's constantly in your face man i've had times where i'm like okay no social media i'm done finished freaking done then your phone dings or you got to look at it for work and it's just really hard it's hard to Mm -hmm. it's hard to overcome that aspect of it but um man i i just really appreciate guys like you dave who are so real and honest about your kind of your you're feeling in the moment in the season. Like I never feel like I never feel like I watch you and feel like you're faking it. Like if you're mad about something, 
you can tell that you're upset about it. If you're super yeah. jacked up about something, you can tell that you're super jacked up about it. And and I've always really appreciated that you and I've also kind of used you as a um as a a standard for a lot of my own opinions, right? Uh sometimes I'll I'll see some things and maybe I'll hear you speak up about it or maybe I'll hear you say something against it or um for it. And a lot of the time uh your influence really goes into shaping my opinion. And so I wanted to say personally to you uh that I appreciate that. Um, and I'm also curious to know from you, um, I'm trying to think of the, the right way to put this, uh, speaking of just those anxious moments, right? The, those, those moments when you feel like you suck, I'm sure of it. There is a time this season that you felt like, man, I must, I must be the worst turkey hunting, turkey hunter on the planet. Can you share a story from this season uh, where you just felt like I suck because, because I, oh, I, man. I hold you to such a high standard. I'm like, every time I screw up on a Let turkey, me tell you something. <laughs> it happens every year, but for some reason this year, it was the year of missed opportunity, so to speak, because like typically I took a, like a, an oath probably a decade ago, because I would always have these reservations about moving on a turkey or, um, or something to where at the end of the day, I would go, what I should have done was. And I'm like, you know what? From now on, when these decisions are presented to me, I'm going to sit down and stop and think and go, in an hour, what am I going to say what I should have done was? Uh-oh, my phone's on low battery. You guys still there? We're there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, but anyways, I'm going to say, what, what am I going to say what I should have done was? Um, and so when I took that oath, honestly, I had a lot less missed opportunities, like, um, because I would slow down just long enough to go, man, I'm going to wish I would have done this or done that. And, and mo- more often than not, that comes together. But this year, it wasn't because I failed to do that. It's because like I prepared well enough and two things happened. Something that I still don't have an explanation for happened or I almost like took it for granted that it was going to come together because it was just supposed to the way it came together. I was like, Oh, that's, that's, I mean, this thing is done. And then it just didn't. So I guess I'm like a little spoiler alert here. I missed two turkeys this year and I haven't missed two turkeys in a season in my life. I don't think so. Both of them were almost identical scenarios, too. And not only that, there was like probably three or four other opportunities to where the turkey came up and either I mistraced his footfalls or I wasn't where he needed to be or I caught him up. I caught him on camera coming over the ridge top and I didn't see him until he had already seen me and he was making an escape or something. I'm like, that doesn't happen to me. Like I'm always trained. I'm always acute to the situation in like three or four different times this year, the Turkey got away because, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I've got the best of camouflage. I've got the best material of camouflage. Like I've got the best leafy suit in the country. Like I have everything at my disposal 
and these freaking turkeys keep seeing me. What am I doing? And I don't know if it was the glass on the camera. I don't know if I need to take more time on the external mic that sticks. I don't know. But I kept having cam- turkeys come, you know, if you hunt the ridges, the turkeys come over. You don't have a whole lot of time to, you know, sing and dance there. You need to make things come together. And, and I was I was failing to do that, frankly. And like I said, I just flat out swung and missed on a couple of them. And so, yeah, there's been, there was quite a couple handfuls of times this spring where I was like, you know, do I really have a clue what I am doing? Like, how could I have messed up such a perfect situation? I found a perfect turkey and I just crapped the bed, for lack of a better term. You know, I mean, I just just made a mess of the situation. So, yeah, there's they're, they, they're going to come. I, I assume every turkey season is going to leave with some of those memories. Yeah, you know, it, it is it is deep inside of me. It's it's uh, good to know that Dave, Dave Owen screws up sometime. Uh, oh man, this season, <laughs> this season was, was a good one for that. There, there was more opportunities. It's like every time I turned around, I had an opportunity, but like if I would have made them all come together, it would have been one for the ages, no doubt. But man, I just kept getting caught with my pants down somehow. I don't know. A <laughs> uh, couple more questions and hopefully your phone don't die before we uh, Yeah, I was going to say, I may have to <laughs> plug this thing in. I don't know if I can get it to tell me. What I got going on here. We'll give you a minute if you need it. Well, let me see. If I can downsize. I got 20%. Y'all reckon that's going to hold? Yeah, it'll oh, be yes. good. Yeah, we'll be good. Yeah. Um, everybody likes to talk about gear. We spent a whole night last week, Adam and I, talking about gear. Do you have any new toys this year that you played with? Let uh, me think. Um, it's fun to talk about. Man, like I said, it comes back to the strategy thing and how I approach each spring. I've kind of set my ways and trying to think if there was anything new that really hit the scene. People saw me wearing a bino harness this year, and the only reason I wear that bino harness is that so that I can drop my vest and still have that GoPro on my shoulder because uh, I do quite a bit of crawling. And for the <laughs> couple of years there, I was having to crawl with that vest on just to have that angle. So that bino harness gave me another shoulder strap to clip that thing to. Um, I do like the bino harness, but I've still got to do a little little bit of looking around. There may be a better option. I'm not sure. Um, I just haven't got a lot of experience with them. But people, you know, are asking me if I liked it, and verdict's still out, I guess you could say. Um, I do like being able to drop my vest. Uh, let me think. Uh, other than that, man, um, the calls were the same. You know, it's just kind of um, guns were the same. The loads were the same. Um, Nothing really groundbreaking that uh, that entered the scene that that I would say was a game changer. No. Mm-hmm. What about um, any changes or plans? What's your what's the, on the horizon for Penhody Project in twenty twenty four? Man, I hope this. I hope the sand don't run out of this thing. It's all I hope for from year to year. You know what I mean? It ends, and I'm thinking, gosh, if I could just do that one more time. If I could just have a spring with that much flexibility one more time. So um, that's all my, my fingers are crossed, hoping that I get to do it again. That's that's the only uh, – I'm going to try. You know, I, I, every every year I get to this point in the season and you, you, you want to mope, and I do my share of moping around. Don't get me wrong. But um, I try to be productive. I'm like, man, I'm going to wish I had these two or three weeks back when it's about February next year. So I'm trying to be productive. I've got myself a to-do list over here. Courtney told me I'd do a lot more productive if I made a list. 
of the things that I needed to do. So, and it is helped. It really has. So I've got some things done instead mm-hmm. of just sitting around and crying, you know? Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, just trying to come up with something, you know, trying to come up with, uh, you know, I mean, silly stuff like shirt ideas or hat ideas that I, well, I won't be stressed to come up with something new. Um, just, you know, trying to be relevant, man. Just the, the life of a guy in my shoes, I guess. <laughs> All right. I got one more question then I'll be done and I'll pass it along to anybody else. But, uh, the last thing I had for you, uh, what can we as turkey hunters do for turkeys in this off season? Man, I think we're kind of, as turkey hunters, we're kind of starting to formulate a calendar to where we're figuring out what we need to do at, at certain times of the year. And I think that's being very productive. Um, a lot of my, like last week, a ton of my week was spent getting caught up on the turkeys for tomorrow stuff. You know, I'm a board member for those guys. And um, I kind of, my responsibilities kind of, I won't say are forgotten. It's just that I can't be as involved as I should be during the season, considering the demands of what I do. Um, so I get caught up on all that stuff and kind of pick up some pieces that I let fall to the wayside. So a lot of last week was dealing with that and um, getting all that on the up and up. Huge things coming from those guys. I mean, they have not taken, while I've been distracted, they haven't taken their foot off the gas pedal, you know. Um, my cousins puts together the NWTF banquet back in my old hometown. And I was talking to him and getting the date set for all that next month. And um going to help him kind of uh, get the word spread out around that and, and, and try to be present for that. So I think, like I said, I think I've had this discussion before at this point in the game, um, just being present for the discussions, making sure your voice is heard. Uh, like I said earlier, I think the melting pot uh, analogy is great because if we all throw our ideas in there, either one or a couple of them is bound to be right. So as long as everybody kind of keeps seeing the data and the strategy or data and the um, uh, the new findings that we're having from the researchers being, you know, just staying up to date on everything that's being and, and also approaching all of that with an open mind. Like, don't come into the doggone discussion with the same flip and, you know, just listen a little bit more than you speak. You know, I mean, I understand people being firm in their beliefs, but um, and I'm guilty of it as anybody. Um, But uh, I think if everybody just can try to be productive and listening to what we're finding and um, everybody gives their input, we're sure to find the answers in there somewhere. But like I said earlier, I think we've already done a considerable amount just by being present present for the conversations. Um, and I think by paying attention, uh, participating in your agency's comment sections, taking part in those poll, uh, you know, uh, surveys like you mentioned earlier, because I think that is one of the huge things that has been a win for this surge in interest in turkey hunting, is because the biggest thing for turkey researchers is being able to count the dog on things. We still don't have a proper uh, metric to do that, I don't think. I mean, there is no camera survey that, that you can really rely on, as far as I can understand, where you can get a, you know, an accurate population of turkey uh, idea. Um, so I think having a concerned public eye, um, you know, these biologists and these researchers can't be everywhere at once. Um, so having everybody's eyes available and trained to kind of know what you're looking for um, has helped tremendously. And um, 
I think that that's um, given the researchers so they can trust that consumer science a little bit more, you know, because people are paying attention. Um, they're just not um, taking turkey numbers for granted. They're actually paying attention to when they see turkeys in a field or if they flush poults, somebody else is hearing about it, you know. So I think that's good. And I think as far as what we can do uh, as the public going forward is just stay involved, stay in those conversations, keep those conversations going and, um, you know, trying to be productive participants in that conversation. Dave, my last question, take a little different route. Um, for turkey hunters preparing this off season for the next season, is there any just word of advice you can give to those guys that guys and gals to increase their odds of success in the off season? What would you do or what would you focus on uh, or a couple of things you might focus on in the off season? Um, starting from scratch, I would, you know, kind of, uh, I'm going to fall back on what Joey and I were just talking about. I want to, I want to make more turkeys. I think anybody that's taken from the population should this time of year be looking to make sure they're adding that many back, you know, so there's got to be turkeys to hunt turkeys. So it's always good to, you know, when, it, when it's June, July, August, September, October, November, December, I mean, let's, let's do our part to make sure we're putting them back on the landscape. But then also just, you know, we talked about this earlier too. Time is that one ingredient, you know, I mean, the more time you you devote to this thing, the more success, the more opportunities, the more experiences you're going to get. So figuring out what you need to do uh, March, April and May to get yourself another week's vacation or another hall pass or whatever you need to be out there, uh, figure out how to get your flexibility to improve to the point to where you can go when you want to go. That'd be my biggest, biggest advice to anybody wanting to want to prepare for the off season, how, how do they can enjoy it next spring more. Well, Dave, my only last question, and it's a, it's a really good one. It's a really good question. <laughs> um, if, uh, if you had to choose which cheap cigar would you choose every single time? It's always been a cheap Swisher, just the original. Cheap just Swisher. Original, original cheap Swisher sweets you can get it from the convenience store. What? You know, you can't, you can't. You can't uh, mess with tradition, and that's what it's always been. <laughs> now, the the whole cigar thing. I'm just I'm just actually curious at this point. Um, have you are you like a cigar smoker outside of turkey no. hunting? It's just it's only no. There. I think it's disgusting. It's <laughs> disgusting. Smoking is disgusting. I mean, it is nasty. It just makes you stink. Your breath is terrible. It ruin your teeth. I mean, there's nothing good about it, really. Um, I mean, at this why, point, you're I mean, kind of a, you're kind of a smoker. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I picked you're... it up from Chubbs. I mean, I give credit where credit is due. Is is he? Is, it was something that he kind of added to my arsenal when we started hunting together some years ago, ten years ago, I guess now. But um, you know, I mean, he he was. I I will. You know, I'm not one of those guys that runs around and pretends I did all this cool stuff. Because, you know, when we started hunting together, he did the cigar and, and uh, when he sat down with this turkey and we discussed what happened and laughed and cried and whatever happened with the turkey, um, the cigar was, was a part of that. And I thought, man, that's cool. That's something that we can, that I can do. And so I just picked it up from him and it's uh, turned into what it is, you know. But no, you won't see me smoking cigars at the lake or on the beach or 
you know, out having a beer with my buddies. I don't, I'm not a smoker. No. See, I've got my own theory of uh, why Dave Owens kills so many turkeys in a season. And it's because you smoke those cheap little, those little emphasize on cigarillos, little, little cig- cigars, because you can smoke one of them in probably about 20 minutes. And Parker Jacob and I, I mean, we've smoked cigars for years, uh, but uh, in our opinion, you know, life's just too short for cheap cigars. So we bring, <laughs> you know, hog leg cigars sometimes to the woods with us. And it takes us over an hour to smoke one of those cigars. So if so, Dave's just smoking one in 10 minutes, he can, he can be on his way and go kill more turkeys. <laughs> well, our rule is one turkey a day. So we don't ever kill more than <laughs> one a day, but we've been known to smoke the cigar and nap and it'll be three or four hours later before we're standing up. But that being said, one quick story is I started the cigar thing. I think a year after, I think this is on video, we had a cigar, some gar- some cigar folks sent me some cigars. It was um, Southern Tab. I Southern think Tab, yeah. Cigar. I've heard of that. Okay. They sent me a handful of cigars, and Sleazy and I killed some turkeys in North Carolina, and luckily it was on a little private piece he had, and we were real close to the truck because I was like, man, we're going to smoke these fine cigars this time. And we went to smoking on them things. And let me tell you something. I'm not an alcohol. I mean, I'm not a tobacco guy. Like I can't dip. I've tried dipping twice and I've puked my guts up both times. Like I I can't do tobacco. Like if I chew on a real cigar, like I get sick feeling like, I don't know if it's the nicotine or what it is. So we were chewing on these things and, and, and smoking them. He and I both were like, I don't think I can stand up. Like we, we, we about got like a, like a, like a high off this cigar. And I was like, man, if it was up to me to walk a mile out of this place right now, I mean, I just have to take, sit down and take a break. So the reason that I don't smoke real cigars is flat out. Cause I can't like, it would put me on my butt and I'd be, and I'd probably have to spend the night, you know? <laughs> Golly, dude, that's funny. Um, uh, you I know, keep up with Joey, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know. I mean, I, I literally don't know. I mean, you obviously smoke a lot of cigars and like, I don't know that I could keep continually doing that if I didn't enjoy it, if I didn't like tobacco. Like, I think it's just, it's no, just I mean, kind of ironic and I'm actually probably going to use this recording yeah. uh, <laughs> at some point of Dave Owen saying, I'm just not a tobacco guy. <laughs> No, it's definitely not. And like, I do enjoy that the smell of lighting a cigar is nostalgia for me. Like that smell is, is it. And I do enjoy like the cheap cigar taste, like that, that initial taste of like, just, I don't know. It's just that, well, that uh... smell that feels, you know, it's just that, that aroma is just all around you. Like I they're do enjoy too. They're flavored too, yeah. ain't they? Aren't those Swiss yeah. flavored? Yeah. Well, no, the ones I do are, are typically originals, but like oh. you know, Hunter likes the what the tropical fusions and Drew and them smoke the grapes <laughs> and Tanner smokes the grapes. They do all that. I just get the originals, but um, that being said, I do enjoy that. But like if it came down to smoking a real cigar where you chew on the thing as much as you smoke on it, like no, I can't I can't do that. I'd be flopping like a fish out of water. <laughs> Oh man! Mm-mm-mm. Well, I don't. Boys, I don't uh, got any more. No more questions for me. Yet, no more for Mister Owens tonight. Well, well I appreciate it, guys. Oh man, we appreciate it. Uh, if you're those of those guys and gals that are out there 
and are still listening to turkey stuff in the middle of June, y'all are people. Let me tell you, <laughs> y'all are people. But um, Dave, we really appreciate your time tonight um, and uh, everything that all the observations and everything that you've shared with us. Um, we'll uh, we'll let you go. It's uh, it's late enough for me anyway. It's getting close to my bedtime. It's dinner time. But, uh, dinner time, supper time. But we'll, uh, like I said uh, at the beginning of the episode, this is probably our last maybe weekly uh, episode here. And we'll get on. We'll keep doing stuff in the off season because Parker can't shut me up for nine months. That's for sure. Uh, so we'll just we'll keep a little bit of turkey stuff rolling off and on uh, throughout the off season here. But uh, we appreciate y'all hanging with us this season. I've had a lot of fun. I could do this probably every night if my wife allowed it. <laughs> um, uh, but I've had a lot of fun chatting every week, you know, for the last few months now. I think February is when we kick this thing off. And uh, we've been steady talking about turkeys every week. And uh, it has not gotten old. I'm really sad to not do this every week. Um but y'all, uh, y'all, y'all hang with us, you know, don't unsubscribe. We're going to have some more stuff coming out. Like I said, it may be bi-weekly, maybe once a month and maybe whenever if Parker lets me just get on here, uh, one random day in October and, and ramble about turkeys for an hour, then that'll be it. I was going to, all um, of a sudden it's going to show up on my Spotify that there's a new limb hanger episode and it's just Joey. <laughs> just Joey. I I got into them real good cigars and just went on a rant. <laughs> there you go. Oh <laughs> yeah. We appreciate everything, boys. Um, y'all stick with us, like I said, during the off season. But in the meantime, uh, keep doing whatever it takes to make more turkeys out there. And uh, we'll catch you later on the Limhanger Turkey Hunt Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to the Limhanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. Hope you tune in next week for another great conversation about our favorite bird in the woods, as the wild turkey. We'll talk to you guys next week.